Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Mark 16, Mark 16, 15, familiar passage of scripture. Kicking off a new series, it'll happen this week and of course the following two weeks, a three-parter. And really just kind of, as I'm kind of coming to a close at the end of the year before we get into the holiday uh, messages, if you will, uh, just uh, what's in my heart and pressing my heart is to just talk about a few things that I have questions, I've had questions from people actually, uh, whether it be email, text, mostly conversations and, and I get all kinds of questions you can imagine. In fact, um, I love how Jesus ministered. He ministered a lot of out of questions people would bring him. A lot of the disciples or people following him would ask him a question and all of a sudden you'd get a lesson on that. You'd get a parable, you'd get a story, he would teach something off of that. And so I want to take these next few weeks and just some of the main questions that I get from people, we want to look into the word for the answers. And I, and I hope that you hear the word of God this morning. And so that is our instruction manual. That is our answer book, amen, for everything in life. And so um, we're going to look at this morning the question of how do I share my faith? And I love that question for a couple of reasons. Number one, it is something that expresses a heart for other people. I mean, a lot of times we'll ask a question on uh, how can we benefit? How can we gain? How, how can we come out of something? And I love answering a question that comes to me about how we can be a blessing to other people. And I love that. Sharing our faith certainly is that. Another way, place this question comes out of is it really is a mandate that each and every one of us are supposed to share our faith. In fact, we, we're, we're God's plan A. There is no plan B. Amen. We are plan A, and so we are here to share the life, love, and power of Jesus through our individual lives. And let me say this, during this season, you need to let your light shine. I mean, you always do, but there's great opportunities to share the life, love, and power of Christ, especially in this season as we head into the holidays and Thanksgiving, and, and uh, you're doing a great job already. I just want to give you some things from the Word to help uh, answer some questions, perhaps, and help us all do a better job and being uh, His representation here on the planet. Now understand this, that Jesus came to the earth and gave the church and believers clear instructions. And we're going to see that in Mark 16, 15. So let's take a look at that. Here's what it says. Jesus said to his followers, Christ followers, go everywhere, say everywhere. Everywhere, that means everywhere, literally. And you're doing that around the world and there's in India as well as two other places here. And tell the good news to everyone, say everyone. Everywhere, everyone needs to hear the gospel, and you are the messenger. So, I mean, that's just the reality of it all. You carry the gospel message in who you are as we are to reflect his life, love, and power. And so, go everywhere to give good news to everyone. And you've heard me say this uh, before here at Tree of Life. We're not just a church for church people. We're not. And I'm not saying we're any better, any worse than everybody else, but here at Tree of Life, we believe that we are on mission reaching out to the lost and hurting of this world. And so here's what I believe, once we are found, because we're all lost at some point in time, once we are found, we are then part of the search and rescue team, amen? And then once we're found, we're to use our gifts, abilities, God-given abilities and gifts to help reach other people. And once we are found, we become part of God's search and rescue team. Understand God is looking for his lost kids. Now, I don't know if you see it this way, but this is how I see it. Everyone is a child of God. Some are lost children of God, some are found children of God, amen? But that's God's heart. He's the father of them all. And so, praise the Lord for those that are found, but then our responsibility is, is to help find others, lost kids. Uh, and let me ask you this question. Have any of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but have any of you ever lost your kid? 
I mean, not even in one of those clothing places and they got that circular rack and you're looking everywhere and they think it's really funny and then you're ready to take them to the bathroom and wear them out. It's like, you don't ever get back there. Where you been? You're eating a Burger King or something, they slip off and go to the bathroom and they didn't tell you, right? And that, all joking aside, that's, that's a scary moment. I mean, that, that is this moment where it's like, and then everything stops, life stops, everything stops, and all you can think of is finding that lost child. You know, we're distracted, if you will. We're consumed with that which is lost. In fact, uh, I've, heard, I've shared this story before, um, but uh, several years ago, uh, when my family was at Schlitterbahn, uh, we lost one of our girls. She was nowhere to be found. All of a sudden, we were, we're there, we're gone, she's gone, and we were worried, is she in the water, is she under the water, is someone taking her, and we just live in a crazy world, and life for us stopped. And when you're in that moment and you have something as valuable, let's say as a child or anything of value that you lose, you're consumed by that. You're not really taking inventory of what's found. You're looking for what is lost. And like, just for example, like we have two kids, so it wasn't ever a moment in time that we thought, well, we've lost one, but we have another. Thank goodness we had a spare. We got a backup. We got two. How smart were we, right? And so you never look at it that way. You're consumed with that which is lost, and so is God. And as much as God loves us being here this morning and he's looking down from heaven smiling and he's loving hearing your praises, he's loving your heart, he's responding to you, he's looking down, he is not totally focused on what's going on right here. As hard as that may be to receive, he's looking for those that are lost. He loves for those that are here to be here and he's seeing you and like, good job, thank you for your praises and God bless you and open your heart up to the word, I wanna change your life. But he's also looking around to see where those others are that are lost. And so if God loves that, that's what we need to love. We love what God loves, amen? And so that is our heart. So sharing our, our uh, life as a witness, as a testimony of God, sharing our faith is a big deal. It's what we're to be about. And because he loves the lost, we love those that he loves, and that is the lost. So let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.20, New Living Translation. So, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Realize if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are his ambassador. You are here to represent him. You, therefore, are the only Jesus people will see. You realize he's not just showing up in bodily form. He's going to come back one day, but he is in you. You are Jesus in bodily form. Whatever you think about that, you are the representation of Christ on the earth. We need to reflect, and we need a a clear picture of who our Heavenly Father is. Our life needs to reflect that. He reveals himself through you and through the church. And all who God is is made known through you and I. And you know, honestly, that seems like a pretty big responsibility. I love that. So therefore, God is obligated to get me what is needed to be his life, love, and power here on the earth. And that is our responsibility. We're to be about that. We're God's ambassadors. And listen to this. God is making his appeal through us. He is making his appeal through us. We are his only plan. There is no plan B. Now, we would probably, knowing the state of humanity, I think you should have gone all the way C, D, E, F, G, all the way down, God. But we are it, understand. So he's committed, he's all in. We need to respond in kind and be all in and being his representation here on the planet. Now, now we all know that's important. It is extremely important to share the gospel and let our life be an expression of who he is. But the problem is, it's not very easy, especially in today's world, it's not. I mean, it really isn't because Christianity is under such attack. I mean, our beliefs, our morality is under such attack. It's like, before it was just like, ah, just go ahead and keep it to yourself. Now it's like people are out to persecute you. In fact, the scripture says, you will be persecuted for my sake, and blessed is he who's persecuted. And so we live in a world that seems to be more skeptical about God than ever before. It's really against Christian morals, beliefs, and Christian things. It's getting harder and harder. Now, having said that, we can easily fall into one, what I see, two extremes, and we'll kind of find a middle ground here. 
Knowing that we are in this crazy world that is more anti-God than ever before, there is an extreme in wanting to connect with people that would say, then we're gonna compromise and be like the world. And we see that all the time. We see it in churches, we see it in people, and we see people, or hear people rather say things like that. Well, it's just different today. And that's not the mindset of the world today. And culture says this, and it's more accepting today, and therefore we need to be more accepting. We, we will do things, and there's so much secular, secularism and so many belief systems for the sake of compromise. And listen, if we're not different, we can't make a difference, right? Now the other extreme, having said that then, the other extreme is being so dogmatic. And like we're rude and mean and critical and judgmental. And isn't it true that those of you that came to Christ later in life, the reason why you came to Christ later in life is because of Christians, <laughs> right? I don't, don't judge me or, you know, they're so rude or judgmental or snotty or whatever that is, I don't know. So there is a couple extremes there, but I believe that we can find a way to be attractive and still hold to the truth, amen? And that's what we endeavored to do here at church, and that's what our hope is, that we're helping you see and become that. And we need to understand that there is a way that you and I can stand for truth and be attractive, or the gospel being attractive in us. I think it's possible. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says this. Be wise. Say be wise. Notice it doesn't say be loud, be obnoxious, be rude, be judgmental, be critical. Notice it doesn't say be silent. Be passive, be wimpy, be apologetic. It says be wise, or in other words, be effective. Be effective. It says we need to be wise because we're ambassadors for Christ. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Be wise as a representative of Jesus. And it goes on to say this, how, how do we do that? How can we be effective in being an ambassador? Then let your conversation be always, say always, let your conversation be always full of grace. We always want grace. We need to always be full of grace. Amen? Your grace is chasing me down. Your love is chasing me down. We love grace. We need to give it too. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Now listen to this phrase, seasoned with salt. In other words, let make, let's make sure it tastes good. I mean, some of us came to Christ later in life and, and still even we have friends that Christianity has left a bad taste in their mouth. Well, I don't like that. Where'd that come from? I don't want any part of that. You know what this means, season with salt? Make it attractive, make it taste good, because it is. And so we need to make sure that we're letting our conversation be full of grace, make sure we understand that, that it needs to at least taste good, it needs to appeal to people, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I, I love that scripture, so that you may have, know how to answer everyone or have an answer for everyone. So be, always be full of grace, season with salt, make it taste good, but, but give them truth in a way that they will want it. Now let's talk about that for a minute, how to be wise. Let's talk about how to put salt on who we are as a church, to be attracted, to taste good in our lives, to make truth attractive. And, and we, we do this as a church. We, we're looking for ways always as a church. Without compromising our message, we're looking at ways to be attractive. And so we wanna make sure that we are reaching as many people as we can. So let's look at 1 Peter 3, 15. 1 Peter 3, 15, now listen to this. Always, there's our word again, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now listen for a second. I'm gonna read that again. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. To give an answer to everyone who asks you. Now this phrase is making the assumption that your life is so attractive 
that people will ask you the reason for your hope. <laughs> wow. Because let's just say it a different way. Is your life attractive enough that people are asking you for the reason for your hope? Let me say it this way, and not to be mean or ugly, I'm challenging myself in this. When was the last time somebody asked you the reason for your hope? And sadly, if we can't answer that it was in any time in the recently, then we need to maybe look at making adjustment in our life. Because we should live the most attractive lives on the planet. Because there's nobody as good as God, amen? No one as good as our Heavenly Father. So it's making the assumption that we're living an attractive life so people, not a perfect life, but an attractive life so people will ask us, what is it that you have? I want some of that. Uh, my family and I, this last week, uh, my wife's side of the family did uh, the first family vacation they've ever done. So uh, we all went together, went away together for a few days. It was a great time to spend time with the family. And so, but during that time, we were at a particular place where this gentleman was waiting on us every night, and he was from another country, but I couldn't hardly understand what he was saying. But he was so full of joy, and smiling all the time, laughing all the time. He did this goofy laugh. He was never embarrassed. He was so happy. He was jumping around and just so kind and so gracious. At the end of our trip, when we went to say, hey, thank you for taking such good care of us. He said, oh, it was my pleasure. And he said, God bless you. And I go, I knew it. I knew it. And I couldn't wait to tell the rest of the family. I said, you know what he said to me? He said, God bless you. I knew he was a Christian. I could just tell. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? His life was so attractive. I didn't care what he had. I couldn't understand half of what he had to say. But I just wanted to be around him. And had I asked him that question sooner, I would have maybe got his story. But it's making the assumption here that our life is being lived in a way that people will want what we have, to be attractive that way. When was the last time somebody asked you that? Give an answer for the reason for the hope. Where do you, why do you go there every Sunday? Why do you go every Wednesday? Why are you serving? Why do you come out Thursday afternoon and load 500 boxes of food? Why, why are you giving to that? Why are you buying Christmas presents for other people's kids? Why do you pray? You need to have an answer. Let me give you three things that will help you reach lost people, the people that Jesus cares about so much. In fact, the best way to do it, the best way to reach lost people, the best way to share our faith is to do it the way Jesus did it. So here's the first one. Number one, we need to connect with people. We need to connect with people. Now write this down. Connect before you correct. Because we got it in reverse. Connect before you correct. Listen, don't correct my life. Try and correct my life unless you have a relationship with me. And I'm going to turn you out, turn you off. So we need to learn. Let's connect before we correct. And understand, that's what Jesus did. Jesus was the master connector. He was the master connector. He would connect with people first. Jesus was great at it, yet he never compromised truth. In fact, he was very straightforward with the truth, but he connected with people first. And you know what? Sinners loved being around Jesus. They loved it. You see it all the time, Jesus spending time with sinners. They loved it. You know the people that had the problem with Jesus was the religious people? <laughs> Not the lost people. People don't care. You've heard this before. People don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. And understand this. We're not here to win arguments. We are here to win hearts. That's what makes a difference. And that's why we have, and honestly, church, that's why we have a family life center that gives out 500 boxes of food. Why? To win hearts. That's why it's open during the week. Why? To help people with rent and utilities and prescriptions and find jobs. Why? To help people with practical needs. Why? Because uh, we, then it'll open up their heart to the gospel, the good news, so we can connect with them. That's why we're having 2,500 meals go out of here Thanksgiving Day with many volunteers from here and around the community. Why? To open up people's hearts so we can connect with them. We want to connect with them first. 
That's why we'll have a giving tree where there'll be other kids other than your own. We're gonna ask you to open up your heart and help them have a Christmas. Just like you saw in that video, that man, we got to sign our kids up. That's why we serve people. That's why we love people. We do that just not to meet those practical needs, but we do that to win the respect of our community and our area. Amen? And I don't know what you hear around, and I hear around, I'm around a lot of times. Some people know I pastor, some people don't. When I hear things, they may not agree with our theology or what we do, how we do, but here's what I do know. They know that we love people and serve people. And, we, and it's opened the door to us to speak into our lives. And when you, have, when you love people, it opens up the door for them to hear from you. And so there's a verse that basically defines Jesus' mission, what we're to be about. Let's read it here. It's in Luke, Luke 19.10. Here's what it says. We all know this one. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Why did he come? To seek and save the lost. Why did Jesus come give his life? To seek and save the lost. That's why he's here. And oh, by the way, if we're going to have a church that looks like Jesus, we ought to be about the same, don't you think? I mean, if we're gonna have a church that looks like Jesus, a life that looks like Jesus, which is our goal, which is our mandate, then we need to be about the same. Seeking and saving the lost. That's why we do what we do here. And okay, a lot of us know this verse. I've heard that verse. We could quote it, probably most of us. But have you ever looked at what came before this? Because there's a reason. This is kind of the end of a story, this verse. There's a reason why. Have you ever looked at what led up to it? And let's look at what leads up to it and we'll get some ideas on how we're to do what we do. And so let's take a look at verse one, Luke 19, one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, or in our terminology, a liar, a cheat, and a traitor. <laughs> Back in that day, they were despised. They, even had, they had their own separate categories. They weren't even lumped into the category of sinners. The scripture says sinners and tax collectors. I mean, that's a, the sinners didn't want to identify with the tax collectors. That's how, how bad it was. So back in that day, a lying thief, cheat, and, and he was wealthy. Next verse. He wanted to see, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. Stop right there for a second. Here's a powerful truth. People want to see who you are before they want to hear what you have to say. It didn't say he wanted to get to hear what Jesus had to say. I heard this guy preaches fiery sermons. I heard he's got great wisdom. I want to go hear what this man has to say. You know what he said? He goes, I want to see who he is. You realize people are watching your life before you ever say a word, you'll have credibility or not with them, right? And we're supposed to be ambassadors, so it's important how we live our life. And so this man says that I want to see who he was, who he is, but because he was short, because he was a wee little man, (laughs) that he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a tree to see who he could see. (laughs) And uh, I won't sing the song for you. Uh, Maybe I might rap it. But anyway, so um, get the band back out. Uh, He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now listen to this next verse. When Jesus reached the spot... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, you lousy cheat, tax collector, betrayer, thief, you should be ashamed of yourself. How do you live your life that way? That's you're just on the road to hell. That's so you're just gonna die and go to hell. You wanna go to hell? I mean, I mean, I'm trying to pick up like maybe phraseology that we might say today. How can you live with yourself? How do you keep doing that over and over again? That's terrible. You're a terrible person. You need to stop that. Jesus didn't say that. What did Jesus say? Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He said, I want to stay at your house. I want to have lunch with you. Let's spend some time together. Let's connect and get to know each other. He didn't call him out for all the evil things in his life. Well, there's a lesson for us. Come on, connect before we correct, right? 
So here's Jesus and he says, come on, I want to spend some time with you. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. Do you know what? If you'll just want to connect with them, they will open their hearts and welcome you gladly. Some of us can't get through to some people because all they've heard from us is correction and judgment, criticism. But I tell you, if we'll reverse that and connect before we correct, then the, the, the door will be open. They'll welcome us gladly. Goes on to say this, all the people saw this and began to mutter. And when it says all the people, you know there's a bunch of religious people surrounding here. Religious people were muttering. Again, you know Jesus, he didn't get, he didn't get any bad things from the, the sinners. It was the religious people. And all the criticism came from religious people. Let me say this, you're gonna be criticized no matter what you do. We all know that, right? We're criticized, the church is criticized, I'm criticized, you're criticized. And, then, and if we're gonna be criticized anyway, you know what, I wanna be criticized for what Jesus was criticized for. I mean, if I'm gonna be criti- criticized, criticize me for being a friend with sinners. Criticize me for wanting to connect before I correct. Criticize this church for wanting to seek and save the lost. Criticize this church for wanting to add value to people's lives before we talk about how they're living. Criticize us for loving people and not judging them, loving them first. Well, I'm not saying agreeing with their life, but loving them. That's what Jesus was criticizing. So let them mutter, let them criticize. If I'm gonna be criticized anyways, let it be for what Jesus was criticized over, amen? And he had gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, listen, here's what happens. From this point to verse eight, then he's at his house having lunch. There's a gap here. We don't know exactly what was said during that lunch. Apparently, Luke wasn't invited to lunch. I don't know. But anyway, so there's a gap here. But listen to what happens in verse eight. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount at the next verse. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man is of great value. He's a son of Abraham. For the son of man did not come to see, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I don't know what was said in that lunch, but boy, I'd sure like to have a copy of it. But you know what happened? The reason there was a lunch is because Jesus connected. And whatever he said, because that open heart changed his life. Salvation came to this man because he op- his heart was open through the love of Jesus. Jesus added value to him. And you know what? Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you have figured out what this is all about. For the Son of Man came to have lunch with people. The Son of Man came to connect before correct. The Son of Man came to add value and love people. Number two, look for an opportunity to share your story with people. Share your story. You have a story. Everybody has a story. I wish I would have got that man's story when we were on that vacation with our family. I wish I would have got his story. Everyone has a story. And here's the best tip I can give you in sharing your faith or sharing your story. Don't tell people how they need to change. Don't tell people how they need to change. You know what? There's not a verse in the scripture that says we're to go around figure out where they're wrong in their life and highlight it for them. (laughs) Then you don't find that in the scripture. It doesn't say that. In fact, it says the opposite. Matthew 5, 16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice what happens when you let your light shine before others and they see your good deeds as you're living a life that's attractive they'll want your God. See, it's all on you, sharing your story, living your life. Let your life be, the Bible would say, a living epistle to be read of all men. An open Bible, your life. Listen, it doesn't have to be perfect, just attractive. 
And when you connect with people, then they'll open up and you can speak to other things in their life. But look for an opportunity to share your story with people. And so that's why we need to look for the opportunity to do this. Acts 1.8 says this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. Say witnesses. Witnesses. That's a powerful word. He says you'll be my witnesses. And we need to take the opportunity to be his witnesses. And we need to get the word witness. If you were to go to a courtroom, which is where we primarily see this word witness played out, you have several players. One, you have a judge. You're not asked to be a judge. Don't judge. Another player you'll have is a prosecutor. You're not asked to prosecute people. Another you'll have is a defender. You're not asked to defend anything. And the last what you'll have is a witness. You're asked to tell your side of the story. That's what you're to do. Tell your side of the story. Hey, I don't know if you knew this about me, but let me share what happened in my life. Hey, you know what? I was going to church my whole life. But I was more into it. I was more having a relationship with an institution than with Jesus. And once I realized who Jesus was, it changed my life forever. Hey, you realize I was in, you know what happens over in India? They don't have a Bible in an Ahmadi language. I'm sure Shaji shared that. They don't have the Jesus film video over there. Now they've made some in a different language of their own. You know what they do? They're training those missionaries to go tell their story of what Jesus did. Why would they want to believe in another God? They got 33 million others. All right, not one more, all right? So what makes a difference in, the, in, in, in their life, why Jesus stands out is because he's real and if he's done something for them, he'll do something for me. If he's done something in their life. So they're making films about the lives of the missionaries. Here's what I faced, here's what I went through, here's how I came out of this and you're dealing with the same thing and here's your way out. It doesn't work any other way. They're basically telling their story. There's gonna be revival sweeping India and in that area the missionaries were supporting because they're telling their story. It's powerful. It's your story and miracles that are undeniable. And so that's important for us to share your story. You all have a story. It's all about knowing him. Christianity is not about a church or religion. It's about a person. It's about a relationship. You have a story and when you can share it with people in a way that doesn't turn them off, they'll want the God that you have. Number three, invite them. Invite them to a place where they can experience God. This is, I love this. This is why we do what we do. Invite them to a place where they can experience God. Invite them to church. In fact, we should change the way that we say church services. I, you say, invite him to a church service. You know what, that doesn't even cover it. We're not inviting him to the institutional meeting. We're inviting him to an experience. We're inviting him to an encounter with the only true. You know, like when we were singing that song, man, you were excited. You know what, you felt the presence of God, amen? We're inviting him to experience a real tangible God that loves him personally and intimately. And in fact, we shouldn't even say invite them to a worship service because worship doesn't necessarily, I don't want to go do that. What's that all about? We should say just come to a Sunday experience, amen? Come to a Sunday encounter with God. He loves you. We're not trying to connect them to a church. We're trying to connect them to the only true and living God who loves them and gave his life for them. Invite them to a place where they can experience the life, love, and power of God. A face-to-face encounter. In fact, Jesus isn't a religion, he's a person. He's not someone to be understood, he's someone to be encountered. He's someone that if you ever have a face-to-face encounter with, you'll never be a skeptic again. Honestly, church, our goal here is not even to connect you to this church. Our goal is to help create a moment where you connect with God and go, now that's real. Where you connect with God and go, now that's undeniable. When you connect with God, there's no one that can take that away from me. That's our goal. We don't want people just to experience the institution. We want them to experience the person 
of Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a skeptic, a very religious man. In fact, he was so religious that he thought Christianity was a cult because it was about a relationship and not the institution. He decided he's going to try and kill them all off. Let's end the cult right now. And he gave his life to killing Christians until... On the road to Damascus, he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Amen? Changed his life forever. It was undeniable. Jesus was undeniable. One of the greatest skeptics that ever lived was changed because of an encounter with Jesus. One day, Jesus changed his life. When you have an encounter with Jesus, it only takes a moment. Amen? Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. Here's what he said. Message paraphrase. Here's Paul, the skeptic, chief skeptic of all, changed and transformed. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy, which I could, which he could, because he's one of the greatest educated men there was. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. It wasn't about an argument or reason or logic. I kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is, and then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. It goes on to say this. I was unsure of how to go about this, and many of us are unsure about how to share it, and felt totally inadequate, which most of us do, and scared to death. It does. It is. It's scary. If you want the truth of it, That's how I felt. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anything else or anyone else. But the message came through anyway. Listen to this. Why? Because God's spirit and God's power. It's about the presence and power of God. It is undeniable. You don't have any pressure to try and win someone through your words. You know what? Invite them to a place where they can experience God's presence and God's power. No pressure on you at all in any way, shape, or form. It's all the responsibilities on God. And guess what? He comes through. He always comes through. It's by his spirit, amen, by his presence. It's by his peace. It's by his forgiveness. It's by his love. It's by his joy, amen. Let God do the work. You just invite him to a place where the presence of God is, amen. You need to know him and his presence and power and invite others here. The anointing. The presence of God, the power of God, that's what makes a difference. No pressure for you. All they need to know is that you love them like Jesus loves them. And we want people to experience God. You know, the real reason I think that people miss God, honestly, why people say no is because they have wrong information. They have a wrong picture in their head. Because people haven't taken these three things to heart like they should the ambassador thing, the living our life for Christ, being a representation. They're not connecting before correcting. They're not connecting. They're not sharing their story. They're, they're trying to point, highlight things in other people's lives. And they're not inviting them to a place. They're trying, thinking they have to win through words. We, we, the world has created a, a false picture, a false image of God. And we are to be his reflection. We are to be his ambassador. They need the real picture because no one in their right mind who knows what we know would say no to it. No one would. The truth is they have a wrong picture and that's why it's important for us to clear up the wrong picture. Look at this discussion with Jesus and his disciples and he's trying to do just this, clear up the picture. They had a wrong picture, people did. Mark 8, 27 through 29 says this, Jesus and his disciples went to the villages around Caesarea Philippi and on the way he asked them, what picture do people have of me? What do people, who do people say that I am? And they replied, here's the picture. Some say John the Baptist. John the Baptist had his head cut off. So the picture they had is a reincarnated, resurrected John the Baptist with his head put back on, a little creepy. But that's the picture some people had. 
Another picture was, some say, Elijah. Elijah never died. He went up to heaven in a chariot of fire. He never died, so he came back because he's still alive. That's the picture some people had. Some people thought he was just one of the prophets. Oh, he brings a good word. He does a good teaching. He's one of the prophets. That's the picture. No big deal. And listen to this in the next verse. But what about you? What picture do you have? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Another translation says, you are the Christ. You know what that word Christ means? The anointed one. You are the presence and power of God. That's the picture that we should be painting for other people. That's who we serve, Christ, the only true and living God, amen? That's the picture. When you bring them, when you, when you connect, when you share your story, when you bring them, we're talking about the anointed one. We're talking about the spirit and power of God, the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. We're talking about the presence and power of God. Christ, the anointed one. You carry something different. You carry power within you. If people can experience the Christ, the anointing, like you've experienced the anointing, they'll get a clear picture of God. And you know what they'll see? They'll see a clear picture because what the world sees is not right now. The world sees a picture that says God's far away. He's hard to reach. He's hard to find. Acts 17, 27, message paraphrase says this. So we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. Listen to this. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. When you experience Christ, you know he never will leave you or forsake you. He is near everywhere you go. In fact, he is chasing you down. What picture does the world have? God doesn't want me. I've done too much. I've done too bad of things. Romans 5, 8 says this, the Christ, the anointed one, showed his great love for us by sending the anointed one to die for us while we were still sinners. Listen to this. How bad does he want people? He died while they were still sinners. He didn't wait to see if they would change. You know, Jesus didn't go to the cross and say, okay, okay, wait, 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 before you pounded the nails. Is, is this gonna make a difference to anybody? Wait, 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 before you pound nails on my feet, are you gonna receive me or are you gonna receive me? I just, I don't wanna know up front. He didn't do that, did he? He died regardless while we were still sinners. That's how much he wants us. And the world needs the picture of Christ the anointed one, wanting them no matter what they do. That's the picture, the real picture. You know, the world has a picture of, it's just a lot of work. God's asking a lot from me. I don't know if I can do this. Do I have to go to Africa? Do I have to go to India? Do I have to do that? Do I have to go to church every week? Do I have to give? Do I have to do this? Listen, God's not asking a lot from you. John 6 says this, 28. They ask him, what must we do to do the works of God requires? What are we gonna have to do? If I do this, what is gonna be asked of me? Jesus answered, the works of God is this. Just believe. Just believe. Well, I don't know if I can get up and go to church every Sunday. Hey, just believe. I don't want to give. Hey, just believe. I don't want to serve. I don't want to go pack back boxes of food. I don't know if he's going to ask me to do this. I might have to give up that. Just believe. See, the world has a skewed picture. All these works, all these things. But not to come to Jesus after the fact, there's things that we need to do to help change this world, isn't there? But in coming to Christ, mm, just believe. The world has a different picture, but not us. We carry the anointed one in us, Amen. Here's the picture that we carry. God is a free gift. God is a free gift. A true picture of God. He wants to give you something you do not deserve. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. Oh, if there's a picture to paint about the anointed one. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this. 
For it is by grace, chasing us down, you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. You could never earn it, you couldn't buy it, and no one deserves it or ever could. It is the free gift of God for everyone, not by work, so that no one can boast. Let's take a look, last one, Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is a clear picture of Christ the anointed one. And we are ambassadors of him. So connect with people before you correct. Share your story. We all have a story. And then invite them to a place where the presence and power of God is here. And then they will see a clear picture of Christ the anointed one, the free gift for all mankind. And when we experience that, who could say no? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.